Welcome back to the What's More Podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris, and I'm super excited about this episode because it's the second part of my conversation with Daniel Halverson. I got to sit down, talk interest rates, future forecasts, how he got here, the where, the why, and the how. I always love sitting down with him, picking his brain. He brings so much to the table, and I hope you enjoy this second part. So, hey, the last rate update. We always end every show with a rate update. I noticed here that you brought a novel today. Um, but, hey, let's talk about 2023. I mean, what a roller coaster, right? And I think, you know, if I can, I just want to kick this conversation off with this. Where we are today with interest rates is where we should have been in March of 2023. But because of what happened with the regional banking collapse, if you may, we talked about you're kicking the can down the road. Well, here's down the road, right? It took us nine months to get down the road, but here we are. So I'll start with that. Last rate update of 2023. Well, as we record this, so I, I pivoted a little bit to, to drop the lending updates in the middle of the month so we could wait for inflation data. There's never a time when there's not going to be more information. So I put this together and then the next day the Fed dropped a good bomb, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, but it's funny because if if you were talking to us on January 1, the average interest rate on a 30-year fixed rate was about 6.5%. As we sit here today, that interest rate is almost 6.5%. Yeah, 6625 is what they're right now. Uh, so if you called me on January 1st and I told you rates were going to come down and you talked to me again today, uh, you wouldn't see the the signs of that. But actually being back where we're at right now is a big win for the markets com- compared to where we Huge. were just a couple months ago. So it's funny – you know, if you weren't if you weren't keeping track of things along the way, and you said what was it the start of the year, what was it to end the year? Well, it's about mid sixes. Mm-hmm. But um, and this really wasn't the year that we thought we were going to get for interest rates, right? Right. We thought that there could be some bumps in the road, but we thought overall rates would probably be a little bit lower and would have happened a lot sooner. Correct. But uh, you know, essentially in late October, rates peaked at eight percent, and the ten year Treasury was at darn near 5% on the yield, and things were kind of spiraling out of control, and and we were were wondering, hey, how high can rates go? The markets were were obviously kind of running away from the feds a little bit, and even some of the data wasn't really uh, supporting what was happening in the markets. But just to, to paraphrase here, so inflation for the month of December basically came in right on the money. Uh, the headline inflation number uh, it decreased from 3.2 to 3.1%. So it hit a low of 3% back a few months ago. It's at 3.1%. Yeah. So we're very close to the Fed's 2% target, we're getting much closer than the 9 plus percent we were at in summer of last year. But in the core rate, which when you take out food and energy prices, stayed exactly at 4%. Yeah. So a little bit of a fake out on the headline. So core the, stayed flat. And the headline, just for those of you that aren't aware, really energy prices coming down is what's accelerated the headline number so much lower than the core. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we still have some work to do on the core. Obviously, they're not they're not going to be pleased at 4%, but you, know, you continue to see inflation coming down step by step. Right. And I joked that, you know, basically inflation took the elevator up in 2022 <laughs> and we're taking the stairs down in 2023. <laughs> it's 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 just little uh, a tenth here, right. two tenths here. Yeah. Uh, but it's moving in the right direction. And when you look at PCE, which is personal consumption expenditures, uh, for those of you who don't know, the Fed's basically changed their mind um, a little ways ago and said, this is the inflation reading that we care the most about. Yeah, we're going to hang our hat on this core PCE reading. So that number on the headline uh, came down from 34 to 3%, and the core came down to 35 I mean, that's basically almost at 2 I mean, it's not 2 but it's well, darn closer than 8 And we get PCE at the latter part of the month. So we will get PCE next week, and 
there's a chance that 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 number could come inside of three into the twos. And I think that that is something that the feds are potentially looking at with a lot of optimism as they see that we could at least have a two something yeah, you know, on we the ta- inflation handle. We, we talked about this on the last episode that's out there for our podcast. I believe it's episode 119. You know, this is where the Fed has essentially said, all right, there's a lot of lag time in their policy. And you're starting to see that lag time take place to develop. You know, Barry Habib came on this show and Barry said, hey, listen, the amount of raise and hikes that have taken place on these rate hikes, he's like, it's like going to the doctor and getting a shot and it not working, coming back the next day, get another shot, get another shot. He goes, eventually it's going to break something. And he kind of was describing that was the Fed's, you know, policy of how they were handling things. They just kept shooting interest rate hikes into the system. The minute they hit pause you're starting to see the lag of the of the previous rate hikes make their way through. The credit cycle is tightening, and that's what we're seeing directly happen, which is also curtailing inflation a little bit as well, as well as maybe even softening the labor market, which I know you're getting ready to talk about. Well, that's the other component that we really started to, to talk about as of the last few months, because mm-hmm. it became apparent that lower inflation by itself wasn't what the feds wanted to see. As, as the job numbers continue to be strong, it, it became pretty apparent that Maybe they don't want a job loss recession, but they want to see those numbers. They want to see less jobs being created. Um, Isn't that crazy? Like one of their policies is I want to see job losses and less jobs created. Well, and and when you look at the last few rate hikes, which were probably unwarranted based on Mm -hmm. the fact that you had positive real interest rates, meaning rates were higher than inflation. So raising them more really wasn't going to impact inflation as much as it was the job market. Mm-hmm. I think that that was a pretty clear-cut sign when they continued to cut rates that, or excuse me, increase rates, that, that they were more concerned about what it could do to the job market than what it would do for inflation. That's a little bit of that restrictive policy that you've been describing. Correct. So, and, and the job picture, we talked about this last time, uh, but essentially you had more contrasting information between the ADP job report and the Bureau of Labor Statistics which includes government jobs, essentially. Mm-hmm. So the ADP report has been showing uh, weakness pretty consistently over the last few months, came in below expectations, about uh, 10% less jobs than they were anticipating. And furthermore, they revised the job numbers lower from October. So less jobs were expect work were created than expected, and they came back and said, hey, we're actually revising this down a little bit in October. So that was good news for interest yeah. rates, not good news for for the job market, obviously, right. Although we're still creating positive jobs, but the uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the BLS report, came in a little bit higher than expected. So the the job they were expecting 190,000 jobs, they got 199,000. So let's call that right on the money mm-hmm. for the most part. But what really um, maybe wasn't a great thing for interest rates within that job report was the unemployment rate came down from 3.9 to 3.7, and the household survey is what determines the unemployment rate. So you've got the business survey, you've got the household survey. Basically, the household said there was a lot of jobs created and thus unemployment came down. So um, that was a little bit of a a, um, shock to the markets in that that's maybe not what they were expecting. And also, once again, stronger job market ultimately makes it more likely that rates will remain higher for longer. Yeah, more inflated. You know, but when you look at the number of adjustments that that are that have happened with the BLS report, it's, it's really becoming, if if it ever was reliable, it's becoming more and more difficult to rely on it. And you know, the one thing you can say about ADP is at least they have the data behind the job report that they create, right? Correct. They are the largest payroll provider in the country, so at least we know their data is based solely off of 
payrolls that they can see. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Bureau of Labor Statistics, I mean, for instance, they have a birth death model. So they try <laughs> to adjust the job report based on how many people were born and how many people died. Right. Which I, I'm sure that there's there's probably economists that are much smarter well, than me that could explain why they do that. But well, it's it, and and to kind of help that birth rate model, it's the birth of a new business, death of a business. Right. And I mean, think about that. Like, if Charlie, my producer, starts a business and Charlie's a one-man show to start the business, that doesn't mean Charlie created 100 jobs. And right. that's kind of what right. goes into the weakness of that theology that they use on that birth-death model. And it's, it's pretty outdated and pretty silly, along with yeah. many other thanks, you know, thanks, things we have. Thanks for clarifying. We yeah. were talking about birth and death of jobs, not people. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, uh, the jobs. So, so thanks for breaking Yeah, that. no, I, I thought the same thing at first, too. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, what's interesting, though, is so so— that's pretty much where the lending update stopped was to talk about, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're getting there, but the other thing that this kind of brought about here is, you know, more, more inflation coming down, more, a little more resiliency in the job market. So now we circle back around to this soft landing. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. The team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. The soft landing kind of became, uh, was, was starting to become a, a distant thought as, um, you know, as the job market kind of started to look a little more bleak. Um, but this last job report here, now there's this renewed optimism. Can we get inflation to 2% and not have a job loss recession, right? So can we do that without avo- with, with, by avoiding a, a recession in general, right? Right. So, and then the feds came out at this, their, their last meeting, as expected, they didn't hike rates. That was, that was pretty much with certainty that wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. But when the meeting notes came out, you know, one, you had uh, Fed Chairman Powell giving what would be considered dovish commentary for the first time when, when really everything else has been very, uh, very hawkish. Very and, for, and for him, it was dovish, it was borderline neutral, but for him, that was dovish. Correct. You know, everything to this point has been, for every inch he gives you, he takes, you know, he takes, he takes 10. So right. for, for that, the markets rallied to that, but also when the feds meet after they meet, we get the, the dot plot, right? Mm-hmm. For those of you that don't know, it's basically every single fed member, that is a voting member, where they think that the federal funds rate will be by the end of the ne- of, of next year, essentially, is what we're looking at. And it goes all the way out three years. Correct. So it, it goes out three years, but it essentially the consensus, and there are outliers, everybody has mm-hmm. their own opinion, but the consensus was about 75 basis points worth of rate cuts in 2024. So that more than likely would be three meetings where they lower the rates by a quarter percent. Right. To get to 75 basis points. So, so when you start looking at that, then you're really back to maybe this soft landing is possible. And just the the thought of rate cuts happening at some point next year, the stock market rallied. I think the Dow yeah. broke a record. I'm sure the S&P is probably close. 
the bond market, the 10-year treasury went for, like I said, we were at 5% two months ago. Now we're under 4% as we record today. Yeah, as we record, so we're 395 right now. So, you know, the markets rallied, and that's that's where you saw the improvement in, in mortgage interest rates. It really wasn't inflation data. It wasn't job data. It was really the Fed said, hey, lower rates are on the way. Now, pending the data, right? They didn't right. come out and guarantee that, but based on the trajectory of where things are going, there's a stronger likelihood of rate cuts than there is rate hikes or even just keeping rates the same as we move through 2024. Yeah. And I really want to kind of sum that up and, and say something real quick. So I think it's important for our audience and it doesn't matter if you're in the real estate profession, your mortgage lender or your prospective buyer, here's what happened. It only took that commentary to lower interest rates in the bond market to anticipate future rate cuts. So therefore they're, they're doing what we keep saying. They're pricing it in, right? So you're seeing it. And this adds to the theology that we've been saying for over a year now, it doesn't take a fed funds rate cut for mortgage rates to come down because of that disparity in the 10 year treasury that we've been talking about. There's room for that to come down without the federal reserve having to lower the fed funds rate. And that's what we've witnessed over the last week and a half, really. Well, really week, if you may, when we're recording this, it's it, guys, that, that's going to continue to happen because the Federal Reserve doesn't meet again until late January. So the other thing about the dot map is we did an entire episode on that. Check it out. Daniel did a great job explaining it. But the dot map's wrong 67% of the time. And, and to prove our point, the last one versus the one that just came out was much lower when the majority of the Federal Reserve and the previous one was voting for higher rates and now they're saying lower. So you're seeing this transition. And I also think the Federal Reserve really, you know, we say Federal Reserve, the FOMC members, right? The Federal Open Market Committee. There's a lot of good cop, bad cop that goes on in that. This has kind of really been hurting the bond market because it's sending confusion and it's not giving the bond market and it's not giving really the mortgage-backed security market any type of indication of what really is going to happen, right? You've had right, one dovish, right. one hawkish and back and forth. That last week was the first time we had consistent commentary, and that also added that that assurance that the bond market needed and that the mortgage-backed security as well as the, the, the equities market all rallied from that. Well, and it's my personal opinion that I think that this renewed optimism over the prospects of a soft landing is really what's propelled sure. the, the a lot of the Fed members to kind of change course a little bit. They, the hawkish commentary was starting to really hurt them in the bond market. So I think that's part of it, but I think that seeing, okay, well, the job market – you know, these numbers are, are on average, if you look at across a long period of time, you know, jobless claims are going up a little bit, but mm -hmm. job creations are coming down, certainly. But I think there's this renewed optimism of we, looks like maybe we can get inflation in line and still have a relatively strong job market. So do you think we'll have a soft landing? I would probably say by the time we record our February lending update, I could give you a better Fair answer enough. on that. But 50-50 right now? Because I think that, I would be curious to see how many of these jobs that we're seeing come through right now are seasonal jobs. We already and, know it's going to be less than before, but how many is the question? Correct. And, yep. and what this will look like as we move into February, March, you know, I think that would be my concern is that if you see some, some really discouraging job data in February, March, does the Fed have the wherewithal to cut fast enough to try to get things back on track? Mm -hmm. You know, If you see some bad job prints and then, they come out in March and say, we'll drop the rates by a quarter. Not not going to do enough. Right. So that that would be the part that I would be interested in. And, and the other thing that I've, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a conspiracy, <laughs> conspiracy theory uh, guy by any means, but I, I do think there's a lot of fluff in these job reports that is maybe not telling the whole story. Um, right. So I think that from a data standpoint, there's a very good chance that 
you know, that, that they could probably, with the way that this information is reported, make it look better than it is. Um, you know, we'll see on GDP, but I think that I'm, I'm 50-50 at best, and depending on what, you know, early first quarter looks like, maybe 70-30 saying that we wouldn't have a soft landing versus that we would. Okay. So just to kind of add to that, and I appreciate the feedback, I'm going to go, I'm going to go on record and say, I don't think they're going to pull the soft landing off. I'll just throw it out there. And I'm you now right now, you know, we, when we do these podcasts, all these people, they respond to our social media, they leave us commentary on our YouTube channel. And I mean, there are some people that are hurting right now. And I mean, you know, the job report was conflicting as this. There's people that, that can't afford how to live the way they're living now, much less afford the ability to buy a house. Right. And so you see that from the general public and you hear what they're saying on there. And then we go back to what we've talked about on credit card debt. We go, we keep going back to that, but that number is only going up. It's not coming down and the savings rates coming down and not going up. I think those are two leading indicators of what the public is going through versus what corporations are going through. And I think the soft landing is going to come short based on the public, not necessarily the companies. And I think that federal reserve definitely can't correct that. I think it's gone too far at that point. That's where I think, you know, someone asked the other day, they go, hey man, are we out of the woods yet? Like, is there anything to worry about? And I'm like, well, home prices are going up. We just talked about that. I go, but man, there's that storm that Jamie Dimon keeps talking about that's brewing in the consumer credit market. It'll be interesting to see if that's the one that breaks, that doesn't make it through, you know? Yeah. And then when you look at the market odds, you know, you, you sent up this chart and we'll put this on there as well. You know, the odds makers, I mean, Past March, it's a hundred percent cut all the way yep. through the rest of the year. Yep, I think it's eighty, about eighty percent for March. It's low, yeah. pr- low, low probability they do anything in January. Eighty percent, they're saying you get a cut in March. Yeah, and then after that, it's it's just cut, cut, all cut, 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 right? cut, cut. And in some cases, it's almost they're almost saying fifty basis points, seventy five basis points. Like they're throwing all these yep. high chances for cuts out there. Well, and I think that the other thing that I would want to touch on briefly is. This uh, last week was now nine straight weeks of lower interest rates, mortgage <sighs> rates. And I think that maybe the the one thing to look at here is how much more room do rates have to fall given where things are right now? Yep. And um, the short answer to that is we've talked about the spread between the 10-year treasury and mortgage rates. And basically, if the 10-year is, let's use round numbers, if it's four, Typically, that would mean a 575 to 6% mortgage rate mm-hmm. on a 30-year mortgage. Yep. Right now, we're, we're, a, little, we're a little above 65 if you look at the average rate. Let's say it's somewhere close to 675, just for round numbers. So we're still 275 basis points above the 10-year, which is about a 75 to 100 basis points higher than where rates normally should be. Mm-hmm. So I think that the renewed optimism that the, the hike cycle is gone— you get a little more stability in the job or in the bond market, excuse me. I think that there's a good chance that those spreads could start to come down a little bit. So I think that you have some room to run for rates to get a little bit lower. I don't think that you're going to go and see, you know, 5% mortgage rates in Q1, but I think you've got some room where you could see rates come down another quarter, maybe three eighths of a percent. And then I think that if you do get that first cut in March, that you could really pick up some momentum and see rates come down as we move into the spring season. So that's the part that I'm most curious to see is do we do we get to six with the federal funds rate where it's at right now and the 10-year where it's at right now, or do we need the 10-year to continue to fall, you know, like a rock to be able to get somewhere in that 6% range. Just to remove that disparity. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And guys, you know, if you want more information on what Daniel's talking about, check out episode 115 we did. We actually break down the 10-year treasury. We have a graph in there showing exactly what Daniel's referring to. Uh, just 
really good information you're bringing to the show here. Dan, for our audience, right before we leave here and wrap up the new year and wrap up the show, hey, what's what's some, if you're new to this, you're trying to understand this, what are some key indicators that people could look at, let's say even on a weekly basis? Like what are, what are some things you would suggest? Hey, just look at these numbers. It's going to tell you everything I just said. If they're going down, this is happening. If they're going up, this is happening. Well, if you just look at the 10-year treasury, that'll tell okay. you kind of what mortgage rates are doing. Generally, if the yield on the treasury goes up, mortgage rates go up. There you go. They go down, mortgage rates come down. Okay. Um, right now, I would say you could probably tell a lot about what's going to happen with rates if you just look at initial jobless claims, which Bingo. come out on Thursday mornings at 8.30 a.m. Yep. Uh, if you start to see that number go up, probably going to mean encouraging things for the bond market, which means lower rates because softness in the job market is yep. kind of the final domino that, that I think that the bond market's really looking at to say, 10 years is going to come down, mortgage rates going to come down. And, you know, the jobs reports come out once a month, but if you just look at initial jobless claims, mm-hmm. I think that's probably the, the other it. thing that I would look at. Yeah, nailed it. I mean, that jobless claims Thursday at 8.30, you said, every Thursday morning, uh, like clockwork, unless it's a holiday, um, and they release it a day earlier. You know, another one, if I may add one in there, is mortgage application data. And the reason I say that is if the purchase mortgage application data, specifically purchase, is going up week over week, I don't care about year over year at this point, week over week, that means demand is building. That means your competition, if you're a buyer, is growing. It means if you're a seller, more people are coming to the market. And it's no coincidence, those rates come down, that number goes up. So something to think about there. Uh, Daniel just dropped a ton of information for us here to think about as we kind of roll into 2024. You know, if you're a buyer, you know, we've been saying the time is now for some time. You might want to think about it because 2024 brings new resolutions, new goals. Dan, can't thank you enough for being on the show. Outstanding as always, my friend. You got it, man. Absolutely. If you like what you're hearing here, please five-star review this podcast. Uh, Check us out specifically on Apple. If you'd five-star review it and leave a comment, we'd greatly appreciate it. But we're also on Spotify, Amazon, and Google, as well as YouTube. And check us out on our socials at What's Your One More. Till the next time, till next year, we'll see you at the next episode of What's Your One More. I got one more shot, I'm gonna make it. One more chance, I'm gonna take it I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live, so I put them all into it, yeah